thrusters won't stop firing. I think I'm being followed. My dad is turning green, like literally green. My last nav check put me on the range point four. This is control. Be reasonable. Keep calm and remain on the guard frequency. Welcome, pilots. You're tuned to the guard frequency. And as all good pilots know, when you're out in the deep black, you want to keep one ear on the guard. This is episode 279 of the best damn space sim podcast ever, recorded on Friday, October 11th, and made available for download on Tuesday, October 15th, 2019, over at guardfrequency.com. I'm Ken Shadow. I'm Tony. And I'm Jeff. And this week's streaming services are brought to you by the HenryNet Telewebs, right? Kin Shadow? That's right, Jeff. Remember, folks, Guard Frequency is not a one-way conversation. We welcome your comments over at GuardFrequency.com and Discord.GuardFrequency.com. You can also reach us on Twitter at GuardFreak. Your feedback's an important part of what we do, so hit us up. Tell us what's on your mind. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe to our shows at Feeds.GuardFrequency.com or by searching for us on iTunes. And if you're not doing anything Friday nights, then you should come and join us at 10.30 p.m. Central as we record Guard Frequency Live over at twitch.tv forward slash guardfreak. Do you like what we do? Want to help us make the best damn space sim podcast ever? You can always support the show by visiting our website, clicking on that Patreon logo, and becoming a regular subscriber. We want to thank all of our Patreons who support us week on week, and we hope you consider joining them. Because the more support we get, the better show we make. Head on over to our website and click on the big Patreon logo to help out. And don't forget about our sister productions, Priority One and Heroes Rise. Priority One covers all things Star Trek, from the TV series to the MMO, the novels, the movies, and everything in between. Be sure and check them out at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Heroes Rise brings you up to date with the world of Dungeons & Dragons. Learn all about the latest publications, tools, tips, tricks, and traps in less time than it takes to skin a wyvern. Head over to HeroesRisePodcast.com to discover their secrets. And the housekeeping is done, so let's get to the show. What do we got in store this week, Brian? And this week's flight deck, we bring you all the headlines from Simulated Space, including the latest from Elite Dangerous, Star Citizen, and Google Stadia? Next, we get the news from the Deep Black with Spencer McDunn on Galactic Public Radio. Finally, we open up the feedback loop and let you join in on the fun. Lace up your booties, campers. It's time to head out to the flight deck. 3175 Port Bay. Here are the top news bits from the world of space sims. Cloud Imperium did a bunch of stuff. So much stuff that listeners who have been around since the double-digit guard frequency show numbers will be reminded of the days when we only talked about Star Citizen. Frontier Developments released another dot dot patch. And that's all we're going to talk about. And Google Stadia continues the fine Google tradition of saying completely innocuous things that never upset anyone or cause people to jump to the wrong conclusions. No. No, no, it's true. It's true. They're they're out there just making just, you know, really bland statements that don't don't upset anybody or cause people to roll their eyes or throw up their hands in frustration or anything. Well, could, could you give us an example of something that would not cause 
any sort of oh, consternation. How about the first statement in the article? The very first statement. Let, let me let me think of a phrase that that is innocuous and doesn't spark any kind of a controversy. How about um, how about negative latency? How about that? Does Not that, a thing. That's yeah, negative latency. Don't I think, you need I think, uh, don't you need a matter with negative mass to to have leg, negative latency? I'm thinking that yeah. It's a warp field. You know what right? causes latency, right? It's it, it's the transmission of your packet across the across the intertubes. Oh. I will dumb it down for the for the for the non non-technical people. But it's a measure between the packet where you send it to to the packet where you you're receiving, right? Oh, silly so, me. I thought it was just like the laws of physics and the uh, uh, singular speed direction of, of time and yeah. speed of light. Oh. Oh, I, I thought, Jeff, what you're telling me is, is that it's a technical problem, which means Google and all its genius can come up with a technical solution for it. I thought it no, was, I thought it's it was not the a basic technical laws problem. of the universe. You cannot, break the laws, you cannot break the laws of physics. Oh, oh wait. It is a law of physics as well. Oh, yes. okay. Okay. Well, then this article is, uh, it, this what I'm looking at is a, uh, a PC Games uh, N article uh, that is quoting a print article in a magazine called Edge Magazine, issue number 338, which you can't get unless you have a subscription. Uh, so uh, a fellow by the name of uh, Alex Wiltshire, uh, who is the top streaming engineer, according to this article, uh, says that ultimately in a year or two, we'll have games that are running faster and feel more responsive in the cloud than they do locally, regardless of how powerful the local machine is. Uh, local machine is. That's uh, so, what I was saying. The first line is ridiculous. Yes. Yeah, so That's a ridiculous statement. The term negative latency describes a buffer of predicted latency inherent to a Stadia player setup or connection in which the Stadia system will run lag mitigation. Okay. <laughs> this, can incre- this can include increasing FPS rapidly to reduce latency between player input and display or even predicting user inputs. So you're not playing anymore, pal. You remember when you were a little kid and oh you were God. watching your big brother play Nintendo? Yeah. And he would put the controller in your hand and you would think you were playing Mario until, you know what, it's like level two and the guy's just not jumping. I think my controller's broken. Oh, I'm the little kid. Nobody's letting me play again. This is what Stadia is going to do to you. <laughs> and you'll feel great. I'm such a good player. I'm such a good player. That predictive uh, play. Yeah. Bulls. Google will not play your games for you. Google will now play your games for you. I think that's, that's uh, I guess so because I mean between the memory bus and the clicky on, the the mechanical click on your keyboard and um, you know all the other things that go on. I mean even even in local even in local played games, games that you play on your own systems have some I mean even yeah. it's, even if it's unmeasurable, there's still some latency in there. It's well, measurable, but not noticeable. Right. They're going to Jedi it. They're going to see it before it happens. They're going to Jedi Oh, it. I see. Stadia is now the force of gaming, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh. I did something like this the other day. You know, I, I, I took a Blu-ray and I played it. And, you know, the la- latency was negative. It was negative because you had seen the movie before and you knew it was coming next. I, you know, it was totally predictive about what I wanted, <laughs> wanted what I wanted the plot of the movie to be, and, and all the actors just acted that way. It was incredible. Where I see it not being a big deal is in an RPG or something where you're moving around and your your controls are not like jerk 
based controls. You know yeah. what I mean? We talked about this. Yeah. Games that have cooldowns, right? Cool games that are yeah. cooldown based. Oh, that's right. We did. We yeah. said things like MMOs and yeah. things like that. Yeah. Makes Brian's tons got of his sense. head in his hand. I don't know what the problem is. What's the problem, I, Brian? I just, I couldn't, I, I couldn't. I'm trying to keep myself from commenting on the jerk-based controls. That's that's what I'm trying to do. <laughs> well, Twitch. That's what it is. Twitch-based, not better, jerk, sorry. If I'll be a better RTS player, uh, uh, if I'll be a better RTS player, if I'm if, if it's already predictive. I mean, obviously, it's going to move someplace where I, you know, it's going to move for me. My prediction is that they are going, Google's going to monetize this. Because if you if you pay them their premium subscription, you're gonna get the good predictive algorithm. Your your <laughs> game, you're always gonna win your game. Pay to win becomes you get the dumb AI predictor or the good AI predictor. Yeah, yeah. With uh, the and and uh, that's based on the uh, pack you buy from the store. With arcs, you get the better <laughs> aimbot, you know. And if you pay yeah. an extra ten bucks, you get the wall hack. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, why I, not? I did EQD right? and I did yeah. KFA. You, you you pay for that you pay for that low or negative latency. By God, I ought to get the damn good negative latency, right? So yeah, this is just this is just a this is just a, a morass waiting to happen. Uh, it's just this is the way way to go, Google, for taking something that might have been cool and absolutely stuffing it. Well done, boys. Google well done. sucks. Good job, guys. <laughs> anyway, let's move on from people breaking stuff to people fixing stuff. So the next thing we're going to talk about is Elite Dangerous, who have patched yet again, making it patch number three, dot, dot, patch number three for the September update, even though that we are now into October. So it's the Oct-September update. Uh, probably thinking it's going to be their last one uh, for this round until December. But you never know. They may be inspired to have patch four. Who knows? Uh, but uh, some more minor fix-ups and... Uh, other things that didn't look terribly interesting to me to report on specifically. And unless Henry wants to talk about his exploration uh, efforts. No, just that the patch had no uh, effect on me whatsoever because all I'm doing is flying around looking at things. So. Okay. <laughs> and uh, that's about it. Those really short patch notes. Well, we are in a drought, a content drought, waiting on some big ass carriers to get done. Yeah. So, um, so we'll 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 leave it there, and uh, we'll just move on because there's a lot of Star Citizen stuff to talk about. Where to begin? Well, begin with your least favorite and work up to your least favorite. <laughs> <laughs> are we going to start with technical problems, uh, or you want to talk about patch notes? Or I, 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 what, what, what do people feel strongly about? Where do we want to go? I'm, 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 I'm open. I'm open to suggestions. They talked about the um, interdiction stuff a little bit today, and um, in the the live show, right? The live show, yeah. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that you guys mentioned in the last weeks. Last week's show, they, they kind of addressed. So mm. right now, it is it, they, they realize it's a time of a total crapshoot trying to get anybody in your interdiction net, right? Yeah. And so um, what they plan on doing in the long term is giving you map guidance about um, not exactly where people are. They said, you know, eventually they'll have some sort of quantum tracking where you'll be able to pick people out and stuff. But they said, you know, um, that, you know, people in these ships will be able to use uh, statistical data in order to try and sit in hot spots and, and, and get people, whether that, and I guess because of volume, they don't say this outright, but because of volume, it's probably most likely NPCs. 
Um, but you'll be able to find th areas where a lot of people are in quantum at a given time and then sit in the middle of that and, and um, run your interdiction, your QED, your quantum enforcement device. They did explicitly say that this ship is not, that the Mantis is really not a solo person ship. Like you can, you can run it solo, but there's almost no way to pirate anybody in the ship. So yeah, um, it's the the t it's, a, it's a small ship. It's niche role, and you have to have wingmen to. Yeah, there's no cargo, right? There's no. I mean, right. you have a couple of guns, and but and but you're not going to kill anybody with them. Really, it's just for defense. So you really have to have like a whole group of people. Yeah. So so in uh, in the the elite analogy would be if I were to take my imperial courier, have no guns on it, and just pull people down uh, over and over again, and that's that's an anti griefing technique that's currently being used. You just line up behind when somebody uses a griefer or a ganker, and you just constantly yank them out of uh, super crews, so they can't pull down other people. Mm. Uh, so then you just just make sure you have a big engine on the back of your imperial courier, so that you pull the guy down and just run away and jump out again. So, so that uh, that seems to be the role that they're planning on for the mantis, at least, unless you have a bunch of friends with you. Okay, so and I think what we take away from that is they're just going to random number generate whether or not you pull somebody down from quantum. Well, I, I don't know if it's random number generating because NPCs in the verse are also physicalized, right? So there will be actual NPC ships doing the trade lane stuff. So, But if you know exactly where the trade lanes are at a given time and how hot they are, it's not necessarily a roll of the dice. It's just statistically you should be able to see somebody within a couple of minutes or something like that. Okay, sure. That's I guess that's possible. I mean that, I'm that's skeptical. that's what they said in the show, right? I mean, okay. it's just not. I, I'm still, I'm still. Uh, there's some things about about it that I'm not too keen on, but I'm going to let it play out and see. Yeah, we'll we'll see. It won't matter until they actually have the universe up and running, and that's a ways off. So, uh, okay, so uh, so we'll cross that off the list of things. We'll we'll drop that around. And a related topic, they had a Mantis commercial. Anybody watch the Mantis commercial? Yeah, it had it had a big sparkly red ball. Yes, it had a big explosion from this big sparkly red ball, and I, that was about it. Was I mean, did I miss anything on that one? Oh, that was that was pretty much it. All the new things they're having, they like commercials now because they have a better stuffed up cinematics team that's working in CryEngine. So these are kind of practice things for in between whatever else they do. Citizen Con. Yeah, whatever. So, um, so it's a lot. It's a lot easier for them to turn these out because they have the staffing now, and it's all in CryEngine. Well, and not. speaking of, you're, you're providing excellent segues here because there was another commercial for the Banu Defender, which is that, actually really nice, in my opinion. It was. It was. It's. It's a fun little commercial, but it showed the Banu Defender for about ten seconds. Well, it was. It was a three point seven plus Banu Defender, if you'll if you noticed it. Because it was a lady in a cave, which is the three point seven Vic feature. And then she finds it's like a secret lab, right? And walks around, which in theory could be something we see in three point seven or one of these other patches related to caves, and then she finds a Banner Defender. Was there a teddy bear? I don't remember seeing a teddy bear. Because there's teddy bears in caves, we know that. I, I didn't see one. It's a missed opportunity if they did not include the teddy bear in there. Okay. Uh, Alright, so yeah. Uh, so that, that so two commercials and a mantis explanation, and uh, then we had the three point seven release to live, kind of. 
Sort of. Because? Because their login servers went down. <laughs> like, for a long time. It's I like mean, half this a is. Day, yeah. Yeah. And I think, and this is where maybe the chat room can help me with this if I'm wrong, but I think they maybe just got them back up and running a little while ago. Some people yeah. are kind of hit and miss on them. So I, I tried to log in about noonish central, and it was it failed. And then I and then I think everybody I noticed everybody else was saying it's down. I don't know when it started. Um, and then about an hour or two ago, so that was the total of at least eight hours. It had been it had been down, and it had just come back up about a couple hours ago. Yeah. So I was chatting with uh, Shiv uh, earlier, and I think he said that he was able to get his up uh, his his. He he cheated a little bit. He uh, he did he renamed his uh, PTU folder into live, so he's able to skip most of the download uh, for the new the new thing. So he was able to get it up and run it about two hours ago. So uh, as of the recording of the show, it appears that they have corrected that issue. But uh, there was uh, some uh, some consternation out there when uh, I think the website was down too, wasn't it? The, the website could be was you could get to it. It was slow. And the login backend between the webs and for the backend for the website and the game, I think it's the same backend. So you couldn't log into uh, the website. Maybe slow to you. I couldn't get there at all. I did see an error message with a warning that's or not a warning, a notice that said they were working on it. But maybe I was oh. in at a different time and it was down different ways, different times. Because I was just going in to check the news to get ready for today, and it was just there was nothing. Oh yeah, it might have been down later. When I, I was I checked it about two one or two o'clock my time, and it was it. It was just slow at that point, and you couldn't log in. Yeah, I wonder what happened that brought everything down. It seems like it's all connected in some way, but the uh, the launcher was down, or the patcher was down, the website was down. Um, I don't yeah. know. And interdictions aren't working still. So It, it could have been a technical issue on their side. It could have been a DDoS. They didn't respond, I don't think. Well, they yeah, didn't, they didn't I, I haven't seen any explanation. It could have been a web interdiction. <laughs> if it was a DDoS, you know what? Let, leave them alone. Let them get the damn game done, guys. Pick yeah, on somebody I, yeah. else. Kim from, Chicago, Kim from Chicago said the website got quantum enforced. It did. Yeah, it did. It got it got pulled down. It got pulled down by some sort of pirate. Uh, but uh, yeah, so it appears to be all back up now. But that was just that was just uh, uh, yet another just off crossing things off my long list of things to chat about with all the news that happened today uh, with Star Citizen there. So. Uh, but yeah, so that's I think in a nutshell like all the little updates, because then we have something a little bigger to talk about. What could be bigger than the Mantis? Bigger than the Mantis? A release date? No. Uh, Squadron Forty Two. Bigger. A Bengal? Bigger. Bigger than Squadron Forty Two? VR support. Yeah, you know you're going to be disappointed when I tell you what it finally is. <laughs> a commercial. Another commercial. Hold your breath. Prepare to. Prepare to be disappointed. The bigger news is that the financials for CIG actually were filed and came out today. Huge news. Huge. So huge, guys. I, my heart's a flutter. That's only huge if you tell us what the numbers oh. mean. What are the what are the numbers? Is it good news or bad news? Before we tell them what they are, can you read off all the numbers? Well, I'm just going to kick back here and uh, just let Tony go to town. Okay, uh, Jeff's going to go to sleep. Uh, Ken Shadow wants to know what the numbers are, and Henry wants to know what the numbers mean. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to disappoint everyone except Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff will probably get his nap, and 
everyone else will be sad. So just, you know, one of the things I harp on is setting expectations. All right. You know, I want to make sure that I am setting everyone's expectations for the rest of this segment. And I, I feel like I've done a good job here. So, so what Tony's to trying to say is everybody find a place, a nice, quiet place. Put your feet up. Take a nap for the rest of the show. He's going to lull right, that's you. Right. To My sleep dulcet with his tones tail talking about of CI. this stuff will put you right to sleep. <laughs> anyway, so first we have to rewind the show to last week when Henry and I were discussing uh, the bet that I made with that certain uh, CIG critic commentator uh, person. And Henry had a great solution for the intractable problem of the fact that the bet was for 10 UEC. And the other commentator famously got his account refunded uh, involuntarily, and I haven't logged into my account for years. So there was no way we could actually exchange any UEC. Uh, so Henry had the great idea, convert it to pixels. Uh, and so I did. On Twitter, I converted uh, 10 UEC to the, number, the proper number of pixels out of a constellation uh, JPEG. You had I provided nothing to the proper, do that week. <laughs> it was, it was, it took altogether. I mean, the, the actual calculations took no time at all. I mean, it was like nine cells in an Excel spreadsheet. It was, it was, it was nothing, right? The calculation, what took time was composing the thread of tweets and attaching the proper screen captures to it to document it. That was, that was a little more time consuming, but I did it because I am an honorable person. And the bet was that we would see the financials before the end of this week before the before october the, before the end of the day october 12th which is the end of, of of the week we would see the financials on thursday the uh british authorities put up a notice on the website and sent out the email saying that the documents were filed and would be visible in five days not within five days, or at the latest five days, or not on or before five days, just that in five days, which as a user of the English language, I took to mean take today, add five, that's when they're gonna be visible. That's not how English works in England, apparently. I should have known better. They're adding U's everywhere. They reversed E's and R's and center and meter. I mean, I should have known better. But they but can do math about days, right? Like no, no. In five days means within the five days the financials will be seen. I know uh, English. Yeah. Well, apparently this is like one of those things when British people say, "Oh, it's quite good." It means that like it's just barely good. Like you almost were bad. Oh my it's god. It's so not good that it's almost bad. So when someone says, "Oh, that's quite good," they're like, "Oh, buddy." Mm. It was. Mm. But yeah. So so I went ahead and paid off. Uh, the 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 commentator his bet and and so on. But sure enough, they released the financials today. The, they became visible today, and that certain corner of the internet, uh, the dark and scary corner of the internet, where I and several other Star Citizen, you know, commentators live, uh, was all all a buzz because we got uh, 2018's financial statements. They were particularly dense this year. It's going to take some time to fully digest them because there's a number of related entities that overlap and the numbers all dance together. Uh, and so it is obfuscated might 
not be too strong of a word. I think I'll use that word, obfuscated a little bit by the, the, the complex interactions between the entities involved here. And I'm not an accountant, so it's doubly hard for me. So, uh, uh, but we do have some people who are versed in this sort of stuff uh, working on it, uh, even as we speak. Uh, and we'll probably get to the bottom of it in time for next week's show. But I do want to give you a couple of highlights that I was able to determine. So you just spent five minutes telling us that they released the financials within five days. And he doesn't know anything about it yet. I almost want to punch him. I'm feeling a punch coming on, too. <laughs> anyone, on, anyone on a useless Twitter rant about it. Oh, and God. so and so, I want, to, I want to rewind this here a little bit. I set your expectations at the beginning of the segment. And it turns out that I was wrong because Jeff is still awake, <laughs> and he still wants to so, punch you too. <laughs> yeah. So, so the pro. So I, uh, I, I tried to set everyone's expectations, and I failed one third of it. I fa- you two, you two are both sad. I mean, Brian and 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 Henry are sad about this, and Jeff is still awake. So, uh, you know, I, I got two out of three. I guess ain't bad. But I do want to share a couple of highlights with you that uh, that I think we can we that I know from what I read and saw. So set the Wayback Machine for December of 2018, the end of 2018, right? They had a bunch of uh, statements, and they had, they had a big financial uh, statement on the webpage. And I and Henry and that certain commentator uh, went on, and we had our, we had a show, a specific show, uh, just about those statements. And one of the cornerstones of it was that this investment, this $46 million investment, was for marketing the game. And we roundly criticized that, saying that is horseshit. I remember that's, laughing that's a not, lot and saying, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah that's that, that statement was horseshit. Um, and it was. Uh, and they knew it at the time, because these financials that were released uh, were for the calendar year 2018. When they released the uh, report on their website, that was the end of 2018. And at that time, they had dipped into the funds to the tune of about five million guinea quids, which is about you know eight, seven million simoleons in U.S. monies. So, uh, and that's just the U.K. side. Presumably, they did a similar amount on the United States side. We don't know, but they had already dipped into the Calder amount of money at the time they published that financial report, saying, "Yeah, this money is just for marketing." No, they had already tapped it for operations. So. It's. We knew it at the time that it was a big fat lie. Now we know for sure it's a big fat lie. So it's just one of those things that, yeah, okay, they're not even trying to hide it. So fine, we know that now. The other thing that I think we can take away from this, from, from the very preliminary read, is that they're not taking it terribly seriously or they're letting some things slide when they do these accounts because there are still some basic copy-pasting errors in there. And... It carries over from some errors in last week or last year's reports as well. Some stuff doesn't add up. And I don't know if it's just laziness, sloppiness, or whatever, but the the complexity of these filings leads to the potentials for either clerical errors or things to be obfuscated, like I said. And you do it four times, you have four different reports, it just makes that worse. So I am... Gonna look into this some more. I'm gonna be haunting those areas of the internet some more where they look into this, look into these financials a little bit more. But it seems to me the takeaway is they got enough money for the Calders to at least get them through the end of 2019 uh, because they 
took about a third of the investment to get through 2018, meaning that they had two thirds of the investment left approximately, which would be two halves of 2019. So at the end of this year, they, they probably have enough to in the tank to get them through the end of this year at least. And isn't that why they've predicted to be where they want to be with Squadron 42 by that time? Or do you think now we're not going to make it? Because, uh... Well, remember that this deal was done in May of 2018. Not announced till December of 2018. And in May of 2019, we know from the British filings that Dan Offner, the lawyer that uh, uh, the Calders brought in to be their, their uh, kingmaker... Uh, the big shot from uh, the the Los Angeles law firm that did the Oculus deal, uh, the Oculus lawsuit, he quit. He was not he's not the director anymore. He got replaced. So at the one year point, he got taken off the board, and somebody from the Cayman Islands got put in on the on the board. At a, a few months later, Chris stopped showing up to all the video things. We haven't seen Chris at all for months now. So it, and then if we look at the financials and predict that the funding was probably going to last to the end of 2019, it seems to me like the next rounds of funding or, you know, the continued dispersal of funds probably was contingent upon them hitting certain goals. Those goals were not going to be met at the timelines given. And so that probably, like I've said, speculated a couple times, had consequences. I think one of the consequences might have been. Chris is not in charge of the day-to-day production anymore. I think that's on Aaron now. Well, Aaron's been on the has been the Squadron 42 guy for a long time. Right. What I'm saying is that I think that that production has always been a priority since May 2018. I think now that that has been underscored in to the effect that Chris doesn't have veto power anymore basically. And there can be a, we can put a positive spin on this too, that Aaron is closer to the Squadron Forty Two work, he's right there, and that project has priority, and so it's the considered judgment of the board of directors that production decisions for the company as a whole, both the Squadron Forty Two and Star Citizen side, are now going to be under Aaron's ballywick. That makes a lot of sense from the outside. From the perspective of somebody who just gave them almost $50 million, I'd say that makes so much sense you'd almost insist upon it. And while that may make sense, it might cause something of a a stir or controversy if that were made too public. And that's the opposite of spending any of the money on marketing, because it's just a bad PR move to take the big guy out of the captain's chair. It might be a bad PR move, but it's probably a good production move. Yeah, but for the fans, they're going to not like that. Everybody was afraid that that money was going to get in his way of his vision and it seems like that's what happens when you take him out of the lead. It smacks of you know, the, the general Tony conspiracy theory just off the wall stuff. I mean I, he, Where's Chris? Tell me where's Chris then? I don't know. He, he has dry spells that he has not on videos. I'm not saying you're wrong. You could very well be right. I, I'm just saying just the fact he's not in videos I'm not sure that's enough evidence of anything really. If anything they'd probably put him more in videos because he's a better public figure for them than somebody who is leading if he was causing problems so I think maybe Tony's argument doesn't hold water because he's not as public he would probably be be, be used that way be put in, in front of people what do you think wouldn't that be a way to, to reuse him if you're not going to have him in the role he was in 
mostly because remember what gets everyone in trouble. Remember what gets this game in trouble is when Chris gets out there and talks and makes promises. Oh, so maybe things. he's got to be quiet he too. He, that was in the beginning a lot. Yeah, you're right. But that's not how he hasn't really done that in years at this point. Nothing he has said in the last three years could be construed as any kind of promises except for like the keynote speeches that are it's all on slides at that point, right? I don't know. I mean, I, I you could be very well be right, Tony. I just don't see any particular evidence about it. Um, and I don't think anybody would disagree that having Aaron in charge of, you know, a day to day is a bad thing. You know, the, the only the only argument would be whether Chris's vision is maintained, right? It's yeah, and that's it's not going to be. Um, here's my here's my prediction. Here's here's a way to tell if Tony is right. And I haven't been able to check this because there's been so much other news. Things we haven't talked about this week are the roadmap because I haven't I don't know if their website was down for so long they didn't get the roadmap released or if it's up now or I don't even haven't checked I even haven't even I haven't seen any update but again I've been traveling so yeah so I mean they usually they release the roadmap roundup today and then uh, the various community members that do a so good job of translating the stuff that's on their website into usable graphical data go to work on it. Uh, so I haven't able to, I haven't checked up on that because there's been so much else to talk about. But my prediction is that if Aaron's in charge, and I think he is, we will soon have they 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 needed to have the go no go meeting for the staggered development stuff like last week for the 3.8 patch due at the end of Q4. The go no go should have been last week if they're doing the staggered development schedule like they said they were back on that pillar talk a, a few a little while back. So we should see 3.8 be cut mercilessly here pretty soon as the go, no go meetings happen and people are like, yeah, we think we can get this done by Q4, which realistically is CitizenCon, which is at the end of November. So we're looking more like six weeks out rather than eight weeks out. So, I mean, the, we will probably see in the next week or two that 3.8 uh, patch get cut mercilessly and stuff get pushed back. And that 3.8 patch will translate over to stuff being cut from Squadron 42 as well, because Squadron 42 is driving development right now, not Star Citizen. So if if I, I think if I'm correct and Aaron's in charge, that's going to happen, which means that, quote, Chris Roberts's vision of what Star Citizen or Squadron 42 is supposed to be gets chopped back because... These are things that are not going to appear in the game that is released at the end of 2020. So the last update that I can see is October 4th, and there wasn't any yeah. there wasn't any great culling of 3.8 on that date. So maybe the next one you'll, you'll see that. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe. Well, I mean, and, and it, I mean, again, it would make sense if if they're if 3.7 is live now. It means that that's that's they over the last week they were finishing up 3.7, putting in the last bits of 3.7. You know, the decision makers were done at that point. It's just the teams cleaning up what had been decided will be the last 3.7 stuff. Probably over the last week was when they had their meetings or at least prepped for the meetings uh, to find out what was going to be go, no go. And again, this is assuming that they are doing the staggered development as they described it in the pillar talk a few months ago with Aaron and Eric Kyron Davis and John Crew. So, a lot of ifs, a lot of speculation. Yeah, it could be Tony conspiracy theory, but 
this they're, they're never going to come out and say this stuff out loud. Any case that I build will be entirely circumstantial evidence. Circumstantial evidence like the fact that Sean Tracy was the one talking to Massively OP this week uh, about 3.7, not Chris Roberts. Uh, Chris Roberts is not on any of the video shows. He's just he's just MIA. And I, I got to think that there's a larger explanation for that. Oh, also, uh, Mark Abent was talking about how Chris has got a team working on ship-to-ship docking. Mm. So back to the whole programming thing that we talked about a few months ago, too. So there's that, too. Again, lots of little tiny pieces. I, I know. In my head, it's the cork board with all the strings between them. Right. And, you know, I mean, the, I don't the, know. The last, the last bit just sounds like he's, he's off in his own technical wonderland, you know? I mean, he kind of always does that anyway. You're right. Maybe he's been de-emphasized from the front side of it. I don't know. Like I said, they're going to – something – I imagine something's going to have to come out at CitizenCon. Something will have to be discussed. He'll be on, no, no, no. He'll be on stage at CitizenCon. I don't, oh, yeah, I don't, I don't care what his it. functional role is anymore, but he will – he's going to be – he's going to do – he's going to be the dude on stage no matter what happens. Do you think we'll yeah. see another yeah. worm? I, I don't know. I, I think I, th- I think we're going to see jump point stuff personally. Cool. I don't think it's going to be released in the next patch, but I think we're going to, they're going to do some. That that's going to be the worm this year. As you were saying earlier in the segment, they're they've got the the visualization teams up and going. They're making these commercials. There's going to be a lot of that. We're going to see a lot of. They're going to see a lot of that. Another Moro tour, you know, kind of a situation. You know, I, I think that that's probably we're going another to see squadron for, two squadron forty two vertical slice. Right? They're going to do another like probably. I'm hoping, you know, fingers crossed some Vanduul stuff, right? Since that should all be done by now, right? The, um, you know, the the admissions in which you're fighting Vanduul on foot. I'd like to see some of that stuff. I it, that would be that'd be good. I think that we're going to see a lot of pre-rendered things, not not gameplay. It, one of the we haven't looked at the update this week, but the Squadron Forty Two missions have not moved off that stage three. I think that's Graybox. For forever, and I, I haven't seen. There's been no progress on them, um, so I, I don't know if they've got a mission that's uh, uh, demo ready, uh, or working on one that's going to, to get it to demo ready. Uh, hopefully, maybe in the next six weeks, maybe they'll take one and get it all the way to stage five. Fingers crossed, but not a lot of progress has been made. I mean, that, that they did that for last year. I mean, was it last year? Yeah, last year they landed on a planet, did a little Squadron Forty Two mission thing. Etc. Yeah, uh, I think so. But I mean, but if that was an actual mission, how come that one's not farther up on the on the chain, right? No, it's a sandworm. <laughs> okay, yeah, it's a, it's a sandworm. Yeah, yeah. So, I, mean, I mean, that's not a visualization, is what I'm saying. You know, okay. Them making a mission from scratch for the demo is 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 pretty much par for the course. Do you have succeeded in putting Jeff to sleep though? Oh, he's yeah, been we, in yeah, and out. We did. He's, Look at that. I don't know if he's actually asleep. He's been in and out. So, 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 I think the final score is I did get a three out of three. Brian and Henry are both mad at me, and Jeff, in fact, did at some point fall asleep. So my expectation setting was spot on. And now we're rocking up on Space Sim News. Let's get caught up on Space News with Galactic Public Radio. GPR News is supported by a grant from the Foundation for the Advancement of Knowledge Entrepreneurs and. By Trouble Banking and Welfare Investments, providing banking and insurance products to the ANSI system and beyond for over 100 years.
Good evening from Galactic Public Radio on NC. I'm Spencer McDunn, and these are the top headlines from around the known galaxy. The Interstellar Association for Agriculture announced that the crop failures plaguing the old worlds are connected. For the latest, we go to Smooth Furnace and the DSO system. Thanks, Spencer. Dr. Genevieve Kane, spokesperson for the IAA, told the media, quote, We have collated multiple reports in which farmers recorded healthy crops withering in a matter of days. Agronomists have confirmed that the symptoms of decay are identical and share genetic similarities to known pathogens, but have not yet identified the cause, end quote. While scientists have expressed relief and confidence with this knowledge, economists and security specialists are more nervous than ever. This, quote, pattern of common biological markers, end quote, is a sign of widespread contagion that may spread wider. Planetary governments are responding with reassuring statements, but hungry citizens are not hearing concrete promises. Governor Nadine Clayton of the Orerv system made a statement typical of the sort delivered throughout the old worlds. Quote, I can assure you that the current disruption is merely temporary. We guarantee that critical food supplies will remain available and urge the public not to overreact. A committee has been established to explore the possibility of financial support for landowners affected by this unfortunate situation. End quote. While landowners may get assistance in the purchase of synthetic fertilizer EX7 from Rockforth, ordinary citizens will have to settle for synthetic foodstuffs imported from industrial worlds. For citizens of the breadbasket worlds, this is a bland and pudding-like medicine to swallow. A state of civil unrest has already been declared, and if the price of food cartridges rises like the price of real food, charities, welfare administrations, and churches may not be able to keep up. From the DSO system for Galactic Public Radio, I'm Smooth Furnace. Thanks, Smooth. Last week, agricultural markets were showing signs of strain. This week, they are in full panic mode. Price gouging, panic buying, and stockpiling have all exacerbated the effects of the shortages. Massive protests on both Birmingham and Cincinnati have spurred local governments into action. The governing factions of Schiffnoport orbiting Birmingham in the DSO system and Watson Station orbiting Simpsons Eden in the Orer system have announced a massive purchasing program directed at calming the public and feeding the hungry. Orders for vast quantities of pesticides, synthetic reagents, and grain have been placed in the commodity trading systems in both starports. While officials were concerned last week with the ineffective response of planetary governments, Dr. Genevieve Kane of the IAA voiced praise for the spaceport management teams. Quote, This campaign is a step in the right direction, and with the help of the galactic community should stop the situation from becoming a full-scale crisis. End quote. Finally, in local news, Guard Frequency Response Associate Director Richard Clemens announced a relief convoy will depart from the Badejo system to the DSO system within the next few days. Director Clemens told GPR, quote, While agricultural production is not the primary industry on Mato, this year's yields have been at or above normal, so there is a supply to spare. 
In order to calm both people and markets, GFR, with the generous financial assistance of Trouble Banking and Welfare Investments, are providing supplies to the DSO system at cost. <sighs> no price markup, transportation fees, or export taxes will be collected. We hope to provide a galactic benchmark for food prices during the panic. End quote. Dan Newbody, spokesperson for TBWI, left a voicemail with a comment, but I d had technical difficulties retrieving it. Until the next turn of the worlds for Galactic Public Radio, I'm Spencer McDunn. Good night. Some say the radiant order of data storage de-banned him from the inner sanctum after he wiped a hard drive, and that his sin left him defiled. But no one knows he's called the shiv, and he'll put together this week's feedback. Is that a seizure? Is, is, that, exactly. is, that a, is, is that sort of conniption? What was that? What was that, Brian? <laughs> I didn't, what was, I, what, I didn't what, get it until you said defiled. And then it just... It just yeah. it just struck my. Um, you had spasms. Yeah, it, it just comic it was the decency bone. I guess I'm not sure. What it was the formatting there. of the thing. Yeah, it was, it was the format. It, <laughs> it was the format. It was the format. Okay. Oh. Anyway, back to uh, the feedback. Can, uh, last week's community questions. Looking forward to the next beta test server in Elite Dangerous. Willing to trade spoilers for stability. And how is SE going to fix their QD problem? We hear from Bobo. He says, Grand Uncle Jeff, please believe me, I held out as long as I could. I must have just missed your agents on blo.m3.c1. It's one of those letter things again, Henry. I don't know what that means. That's Translate every that for me planet in uh, No Man's Sky is stupid. It has a dumb name. Oh, okay. Well, what does this planet mean? It's BLO. stupid and it has a dumb blow, name. Blow me. Oh, yeah. oh, oh I got one though. That's okay. Right. Okay. I, I get was it laughing now. because I get it now. The, the planets really are named all stupid like that. <laughs> yeah, he's got a better name than any in the. Uh, in this the one has a specific reason for being named that though. Uh, but I continue. Um, uh, I'm sure they have arrived. I know you would have sent help immediately after receiving my happy message, Grand Uncle. There was so very little food to eat and no water. Only the purple fungus I found under rocks. And the scat. Oh. <laughs> Only once the scat. <laughs> Without shelter and because of the swings in temperature from day to night, my senses began to fail me. All the colors became wrong and raucous, terrible creatures popped in and out of my mind. Most of these avoided me, although a few seemed to suspect I was a source of moisture, which I suppose I was, if in fact they were real. I fashioned the included daguerreotype just before, and then he has got a link to uh, an Imgur file here. And that so URL we, uh, we could to... very well be a planet name in, in No Man's yeah. Sky. Uh, uh, something is sniffing the back of uh, Bobo Gek's head. It's it's very it's very disturbing. Um, he continues. I don't remember anything after that. Not until I woke up on this ship. That was several <laughs> days ago, I think. 
I found no one else on board. The entire thing is automated. Few controls, only a viewport on what passes for a bridge, and what I'm hoping is a functional transmitter port. Judging by the stars whizzing by, we must be traveling at a great rate. And praise those stars, I found exactly one functional food replicator. There are hundreds, if not thousands, of sentinels in this ship's massive hold. They're inactivated, but they still make me uncomfortable. I can't tell where I'm going. If and when I get there, I will try transmitting again. Your faithful second cousin, tri- twice removed, Gekbobo. P.S. The trust is secret. The trust is safe. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Oh, I, so, applaud the, I applaud the young man. I applaud the ending. Relative to Jeff's, he said he only ate scat once. Isn't that half the ingredients in haggis? <laughs> it's like oh. half of the ingredients in haggis. <laughs> Oh, there's, there, there's, there'll be violence done, Henry. I will not be a part of this. Sarah, doing her very best Ken from Chicago impersonation, writes in lots of good feedback that Tony had to cut down. Caught the show live last week. Henry, my apologies for my tongue twister on a feedback comment last week. But you did do it justice. The post ended up rather lengthily, so I apologize beforehand. I think QD's problem is a fundamental one. Star Citizen intends to replicate concepts from sci-fi that fans have nostalgia for, but those works of fiction play fast and loose with the limits of their technology to tell a story. Ships travel at the speed of plot, and technology works, fails, depending on the needs of the plot. This can work in fiction, because the stories don't draw attention to the sudden inconsistency, but in a game, you notice these things. Then there are gameplay moments that the game intends to capture, But whether those mechanics work at realistic scales is not taken into account when the lore is written. Or, to put it more bluntly, the lore claims things work one way, the promotion claims things work another way, the game physics are programmed to work a third way, and then exceptions are made in the programming so that under certain conditions the game behaves a fourth way to enable specific mechanics moments in-game. And I would like to add, then people complain about it and they patch it and it works a fifth way. And then we have a show about it and they fix it again so it works a sixth. That's it. If it were up to me, pulling people out of quantum travel would not be part of the piracy gameplay loop. Piracy would be mainly about setting up ambushes, stealth technology perhaps, and possibly using Tony's idea of using your quantum drive to shut down and impede the target's quantum drive from escaping. There would be no knocking someone out of quantum mid-flight. Instead, it would be about camping somewhat close to the quantum drive endpoints to maximize your intercept radius. Once someone is being pursued as the pirate, you are now on a timer, not only because of your own quantum drive resources, but making sure you could do the deed before backup arrives, which is now actually possible since this happens closer to other people. Now, if CI still want QD to have some tension, add mechanics to QD that make it an interesting mechanic as part of cargo running or exploration. One possible thing they could do is design a charting mechanic. To be an effective lane, someone has to have the computer crunch the path first. So the first time, maybe you have to babysit your vehicle as you chart the journey from two points, avoiding anomalies or something. But in the future, you can automate it, and it'll lessen or completely remove the user input. These charts could then be a sellable commodity. These routes would then need updating based on whatever lore they wish to use for justification. Okay, I got two things about that. One is, I have yet to see games based on Foundation, Disc World, or Glory Road. And if you have to ask what those are, then you should get off the show. 
Good night, everybody. See you. This has been been great. This is the last episode of Guard Frequency. Jeff has fired me. Good night, everybody. Tony, before there were video games, they used to write stories about sci-fi in books, and you would read them like a page at a time, like a baby. I've I've heard of this. The second... I'm not sure if anybody remembers the whole jump thing that that Chris uh, early proposed, that we would find these wormhole uh, things that that we go explore and that some would be known and some would be uh, discoverable. That's between systems. Uh, right. That some All this intra-system stuff. Right. That some would be discoverable and that we would, you know, have a... Then we could sell that data and they become a, 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 a lane or, or... Yeah, but that's, that's between two stars. All this stuff here is all in-system. This is all in-system stuff. Right. This QD stuff. The, the original interdiction me- mechanic that they described before they added this new stuff, way back in the Kickstarter, the original thing was quantum drives take a while. They, you know, there's no faster than light and star citizen in theory, except for jump points. And so the idea was all quantum drive did was kill a little bit of the, the, the like inertial dampening or whatever because of the, yeah. the gravity. And so it got you up to speed, but you can't really navigate at speed because it would throw you around the ship. So if anything, if it detected anything at all in your way, it dropped you back down to normal, normal speed so you can maneuver around the thing and then get back up to speed. And so the original interdiction mechanic was you get in the way of anybody and their ship's forced to come down to normal speed, um, right. which is kind of what they're doing here. But they're adding a whole bunch of extra steps so that you're, you know, you can't do it by yourself. Like you have to have a team in order to do it. Whether that makes any sense i think it really depends on what the rest of the mechanics are here again the the idea here about the the lanes um in my opinion that seems exceptionally complicated um i think we could probably come up with something that's less that's more intuitive i think she may be close to what you describe was the discussion in the live show because if they're talking about using statistics to have hotspots, this lane she's talking about is a hotspot. Right, but those hotspots are just are are just you know the way that developers are talking about it. It's just it's based on usage data. It's not based on anybody selling maps or anything like that. So if you've got the Lagrange points around and you're navigating, you know, people are starting at one point and navigating to another point, and a lot of people are doing that, you can chart that data. Yeah. This uh, this this statistical analysis are are. Wagon ruts, wagon wheel, wagon yeah, wheel ruts. Sure. That's what these. Yeah. Right. That's what she's talking about. That doesn't mean that you have to follow them. You could, you could, you know, you could bounce around all, all over the place. But Sarah say, Sarah, Sarah saying you can't even fly those. You can't even fly on any of the the things without their road being there first and somebody bushwhacking the road. And I'm saying that seems um, unnecessary. You know, if you know where the if you know that where the ruts are going to be. Well, they'll figure they'll have we'll just all this is uh, speculation until they actually put it out there and we have to see we see how it works right. but the I think the the bottom line is I still don't understand how they're going to get around their three sort of triangle uh, their iron triangle of problems here on the one corner is the lore they have established the second corner is their commitment to trying to use reality based physics and the third corner is how to make it actually work in a game. They're going to have to move towards two of those points and leave a third point in the dust. Right. 
something's gonna ha- something's gonna lose there. Let me ask you: Would you, how do you feel about a game that hasn't come out yet having to change lore before it's even out? Does it really matter? Isn't it all right for them to make that concession and figure out how to do it in the lore? Isn't that the easiest way? Find a fun yeah. gameplay mechanic and mechanic and write something that works. In a rational world, yes. For this particular game, I think there are huge risks involved. You think Ken Shadow will get real mad? Stop going to CitizenCon? I think, I think people people get. I think a lot of people will be upset. Yeah. Ken from Chicago writes in and says. One, I shed zero tears if pirates find it hard to prey on innocent travelers. And two, quantum enforcement, however, may not be so hard. I think hashtag Henry was right. The quote-unquote solution to quantum drive slash enforcement may be that it is like the interstate. Ships are routed along a big quantum highway. The question is, how? Question mark. I'd like to add to Henry's idea. Hashtag quantum points. Like hashtag Lagrange points, QPs are stable points between planetary bodies where quantum travel is most quote-unquote efficient, as in the velocity per unit of fuel. Sure, you can go faster, but fuel is, but, but the fuel needed surges. So if everybody using QD ends up in the same quantum highway, it narrows the quote-unquote straw, a QE quote-unquote sphere, has to clog to snare someone. But that leaves one question. If each path is rerouted to a big QH between a pair of planets, how come they look like, quote-unquote, separate straight paths? The answer? Drumroll. Fifth-dimensional curving. What? Yeah, it's It's this is too many dimensions. This is actually this is actually cited in um, some of the sacred texts of Scientology. Uh, Imagine two people walked in polar opposite directions yet met up again. How? Three third dimensional curving. They don't realize their quote unquote straight paths are curved three dimensionally around the Earth. This is actually in diagenics. Same for QT paths (laughs) curved in space. Fifth dimensionally, Robert Space Industries could reveal that jump points exist because of those paths are the most quote unquote efficient paths for traveling FTL between the stars per unit of energy used. It's akin to Star Trek warp factors, and it gives a link for explanation of warp factors, which are a, a logarithm, which is ex- exponential curve up to uh, a warp factor of 10. Uh, yeah, the ten being the limit after which you turn into a lizard. Yes, you turn it. Yeah, yes, but you, you, get you turn into a boss, and then you have little yeah, lizard babies when you're the and... boss. Yeah, yeah, and, it, and it's not sexual harassment if you do it when you're a lizard. It's not. That's Starfleet policy. So <laughs> I would get around. Uh, yeah, it's good. You get, get away. You get around the regs if you're a lizard. Uh, so, uh, so these are this. This is fine, uh, but there the, the this. Is a this would be a change in the lore or an alteration of the lore, which in this case might be okay, but it still doesn't address the game mechanics uh, or the um, uh, reality, you know, physics-based reality thing. They can do a certain amount of hand waving. They can mess with the lore a little bit, but they got to make it work as a game mechanic. Rocho writes in and says, "Is this where I post if I want to clutter up the feedback and make at Chivalry Beans job harder?" Shiv responds. Yes, and this is the thanks you get. Thanks, Wearshaw. Thanks, Wearshaw. 
Rebel writes in, Hi guys, I'm back after my transatlantic 7,000 mile 14 state road trip and finally able to catch up on the news from the verses. Well, welcome back. It's a long way. Didn't need a QD drive for that one, but it's a hike. Let's turn the clock back a few episodes to where Tony was saying that the updated CIG roadmap was worse than no roadmap, but now with FD, no roadmap updates is a good way to push players away. Clearly, the future has to be in Schrodinger's updates. Smile, heart, uh, emoji. And here I have said it. Tony was right about the QD straws. Wink. I can't get... Th- I, I, I don't get that he was right there. <laughs> As for fixing QD... But you get the wink. The wink is there. There was a wink, but I don't think you're right. As for fixing QD, it could be retconned that a principle like reverse gravitational lensing could be applied. Or like a focal point in optical lensing, where instead of the QD tunnel being same width from one planet to another, it gets pinched to a smaller diameter at the L1 Lagrange point, allowing for interdictors to be more effective. It would add a bit of skill for pirates to be able to park around said L point. Not sure how it would work with QD between bodies that are too small to have sufficient gravitational influence to have what could be considered an L point. I think anybody would have an L point. It's about gravitational balance, not the size. There has to be something to be said for having an interdiction radius smaller than a possible QD track, as given the number of players who will want to pirate along with NPC pirates whose high profit and thus high traffic routes will be no fun for the hauler players if there's zero chance they can get from point A to B without being interdicted five times, and constant ED interdictions when carry a high-value mission cargo gets old fast too. Between player haulers and NPC haulers, there should be a large enough number of ships passing between planets for pirates to be able to lock in and get a prize. Only actually playing the mechanic and tuning appropriate for fun will tell. As for your bet, Tony, you should donate the 10 UEC anyhow, just for the lulls. It would be a year's line of defense budget after all. Aww, sticky out tongue face. Joke alarm. I fully expect to be cut. But I'm. No, that was that was a legit burn. That's that that's that was that's a legit that's that's a legit burn. And 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 I did I did give him I uh, did give him his ten UEC. Uh, uh, but I I may need it back. I may he may need to give me that back plus plus his ten UEC too. Have to see how we have to see how that uh, that situation gets resolved. I'm not sure. But I, but I I think I mean what I'm hearing. From from uh, Rebel, I'm hearing this from Ken from Chicago, and to some extent, maybe a little bit even from Sarah, is that we need many jump points. Whether I, I, it's I'm, not getting, Lagrange I'm point, not getting that at all. I got a better idea. Whether it's a Lagrange point or if it's a, a fifth dimensional curve that you know it makes an efficient path between point A and point B, or if it's a uh, lane that has nav to be charted. Beacons and nav beacons and nav points are not the same thing as mini jump points. I'm sorry, it's not the same thing. It's well, call what you want, but you got to fly to a point in orbit. They already have a specific that. point. They already have I've, nav points I've got, in the game. I've got the whole thing figured out. So here's what you do. Everybody is basically like going really fast from one point to another point. They're kind of all over the place. They're pointing in different directions. We don't want to limit where they can go by making them have to go to one spot. Because honestly, if everybody is converging in one spot, the cops would be there anyway. There'd be no reason to worry about going to the yes. place where everyone goes. You don't get right. robbed coming into the biggest place 
you know, in, in high security time. systems, that's correct. Yes. Um, even in a low security system, that's where the security will be. There'll be no there security, security because it's a low away. security system. That's a no security system. Anyway, um, uh, so what I'm saying is, why don't they make this something like, um, you you know, you're you're in quantum drive, you're moving fast, and you want to uh, interdict someone, right? So you would be able to see them, point at them, and then maybe engage something that for a short time makes you go like double speed, right? Just for a very short time, even at the risk of damage, to make it so that you can catch and chase people down. And then give them countermeasures that give them slight bursts, too, that aren't as effective in big haulers. So maybe they don't always get away, but they have a shot. Make it about like chasing each other down. Now, Elite Dangerous gets funky because it's less about chasing down. There, it's more about keeping people, like, in an arc, right? And there's there's no speed difference between two ships that are at uh, uh, Super Cruise, except for based on the distance they are from somebody. So there's no skill there. You're going to get caught as they get close to you because you slow down first. What I'm suggesting is everyone's in quantum drive. You're going to take a shot at getting somebody. You just hit your boost to try to catch them. And if you don't spend enough time close to them with your boost, you're going to take too much damage or you're going to run out of boost. I, I, like, I think it I like should be a damage. I, 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 let me, this is something actually when they first started talking about this on the podcast, on the, uh, the live show, um, I thought of something very similar. Because they were talking about um, quantum um, quantum drive tracking, so what I what my vision was, and I thought would be kind of cool, is like you get your uh, you get your mantis out there, and you get your other your other pirate dudes, which is say you know it has to be this group, and you're all and you're all in the you're all in a you know party, I remember what they call it, right? And then they're all, you're all quantum slaved to the the mantis. And what happens is the mantis turns on his scanners and within, you know, so many um, light minutes, right, he can see everybody going through quantum drive in that bubble, right, as they're going through the bubble. And maybe it takes a lot of power to even do that. And he picks somebody and says, I want to try and intercept them, all right? And you go into normal quantum drive, you know, but you, you pick somebody that's possible to intercept, right, because you're already in the middle of this giant bubble they're traveling through. And if you catch them, then you're your QED pops, you know, and then everybody pops out of space at that point, right? I think that would be a, maybe maybe the, the people you see traveling through, you just see signatures, you know, you don't know what exactly kind of ship they have or, or anything about them other than like their mass, right? And it could be, you could have accidentally dropped a whole bunch of people out that were traveling in a group with them or something. So I think the whole thing's a waste of time. Well, you know, they have piracy is a thing in the game, right? And so you have to right. you have to support it somehow. We're just trying to find out more realistic ways of supporting it. And the only thing they have to change, the only thing they have to completely re-engineer to make either Henry's uh, suggestion or Ken Shadow's suggestion work is the entire uh, quantum engine structure. Because the little engines go slow and the big engines go fast. And so the only thing they have to do is just completely rework that system and then either one of your ideas would be fine. Well, I don't think you have to rework it if you're already ahead of where they're going, right? Yeah, you have you to would. be able to tell people, hey, you know, you only pick people that are on the edge of the edge of your bubble that are coming in and that you will be able to travel fast enough to intercept. You don't actually have to go faster than them. Yes, because it's easy to intercept somebody when you are slower than they are and when you're talking about significant fractions of the speed of light. Only when they're moving away from you. Yeah, he's got a point. When they're coming in, you just need to be able to close on them before they get to their point of 
destination. Right. You just want to intercept them. So they may have a longer distance to travel than you do to get to that point. And he's got a great point there. And and the, 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 if, again, if we're talking about light minutes right here, the, the system is... It takes a long time to get across. Like right now, it takes it's going to take you ten minutes to get across the current um, Stanton system in the game, at least you know. And even in like the fastest ships, so you have, as long as your bubble is big enough, you have plenty of time to intercept them. Okay, you're just falling asleep, aren't you? Nothing ever makes not him me happy. Not me. I just well, I think I mean I think the big takeaway from this entire discussion is no matter what uh, the, the the mechanic is currently. All of us have an idea of how to make it better, which is not which does not say a great deal for either a how they've currently described it or b how it's how it's it's supposed to be implemented right now. No, no one gets it. No one no one grocks it. It doesn't make sense to anybody. I think we'll have to see what what it comes out as. Stephen Hunter UK writes in and says, "Dear Guard Gang, I thought I'd give you an update on my latest adventures in the world of Space Sims." So, I bought No Man's Sky when it was a half-price deal, and for £20, it is a, it's a very good game. It's not a £40 game, that's for sure. I'm reminded very much of Subnautica, with a good deal less time pressure than that particular Epic, epic Games work, and I'll probably play for a fair bit. I've not yet to have a go at Star Citizen Alpha 3.7, but my experience with 3.6 was getting frustrating, as while I was able to get to another planet, it was very hard to find the landing spot, so I couldn't safely land at a port. Uh, hopefully, the bed logout will work now. Finally, I've started the trip to Colonia with a diamond back explorer, having recently upgraded my fuel scoop from a 1E to 3B, should go rather quicker. And Shiv responds to Stephen Hunter UK, you can land anywhere except in the city when not at a spaceport. In the event this helps you or anyone else, if finding the spaceport is an issue once you're stopped at the planet, press B to spool quantum drive and point at the spots on the planet, pick the big city and quantum jump over, then approach and on your comms when near call landing services. Alternately, use your star map to select the city before you even get there, click the planet, zoom in, rotate and select the final landing point, Hashtag nugs for nugs. And they've taken out, for now, the hover mode stuff. So once you do have an assigned landing spot, it's a lot easier to actually see where the landing spot is. Well, hopefully your 3.7 is less frustrating than your 3.6 once they get the servers fixed. And this week's community questions. What's your take on the negative latency? And where's Chris and what is he doing? Extra credit for creativity and Photoshop. And otherwise, how is the show? Have we pressed your buttons before you even thought about getting them pressed? Or should we just worry about keeping our servers upright? Drop us an email, a tweet, or comment on our show post, which you can find on our website, and look us up on Discord. And that'll bring us to the end of episode 279 of Guard Frequency. We'll be back with episode 280 on October 22nd, 2019. So be sure to keep an ear out for our shows over at GuardFrequency.com. We'd like to thank the entire team at Guard Frequency and the Priority One Network. Thanks to our community manager, Justin Chivalry Bean Lowmaster, our artist Ben Multiverse Problem Sanders, and of course our audio architects Mikey Lennon and Bill Hardy. Thanks to our syndication partner, The Bass, and special thanks to Ronald Jenkins for his permission to use his music and our show. Visit RonaldJenkins.com for more of his work. But above all, 
We especially want to thank you folks for tuning in. If no one's listening out there, the Geek Black gets pretty lonely. Reduce thrust. Head over to Patreon and no, but see, good, I messed up. Yes, good. Yes. Okay. Congratulations. Finally, we open up the feedback loop and let you join Jiminy Cricket. <clears throat> Finally, we open up the feedback loop and let you join in on the fun. One more time. And actually, I'm giving this line to Jeff because we had to skip that other line. So, Jeff, take that one. Okay. All right. Good. We had, we had sufficient numbers of mess ups. I, I'm, I'm pleased. Uh, Don't tell me I can't get something. I'll fi- I'll have it here. Okay, well, you find it, Jeff. <laughs> but you can get anything with Bing, right, Jeff? That's right. Uh, he just needs to. He just needs to edge says, it. No, 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 no. Duck, duck, go, man. Oh, well, I thought he was going to edge it with Bing, and then uh, yeah, I thought you were going to edge that with or Bing that with edge. That's Bing it. that with edge. That's right. Bing that with edge on your Win Ten system. <laughs> so, so be like the elite dudes, elite hacks, three, three, seven dudes. Don't try to predict my jerk control, dude. That's that's right. The, the Google Google already knows. <laughs> Never mind. Okay, I'm gonna they stop right it. there. I'm gonna it's stop right there. They know I'm what's gonna... coming before it happens. <laughs> it's gonna be terrible now because the rest of the conversation is gonna be tainted. And yes, I use that word and specifically. Then you said taint. With, Jesus, Tony. With this you dis- always bring us down to the gutter, buddy. I know. I know. I do. This is Henry. Flight deck segment four three sync four. All the numbers. And Many numbers. Here we go in three, two. And it's just a pixel. They're all numbers. It's more than one yeah, pixel. Yeah, cut that part out. Hang on. The numbers are more than one pixel. Yes. Tony's trying to count. You can tell it's bugging him. Look. Tell us what's bigger bigger than Squadron 42. This so is where he's going to tell us. the risk of murdering <laughs> your guys' expectations. <laughs> I'm going to fire Henry and... And tell him to go. They're announcing jerk controls, right? (laughs) (laughs) Jerk controls are basically like a little button, and he hits the button, and it shocks me to death on my neck. (laughs) Jerk controls. Stop it, jerk. Stop Stop it, it, jerk. Tony's a dick. Tony's a dick control. This is this is Tony's financial ASMR. Can we get somebody to tell us how many times Brian goes into an ASMR? Uh, tangent on the show. How many times has that happened? Because this is episode what two seventy eight. What is it? Two seventy nine. Two seventy nine. I bet it's ASMR happened two seventy seven it times. It's the key to all comedy is ASMR. Really, price gouging, panic buying, and stockpiling have all expurgate. Ex- <laughs> Big sparkly red ball. <laughs>